Friends, family, welcome to another episode of Living Disciple. My name is Mark, and I want to wish you guys a very Merry Christmas this season. And considering this season, we're going to be talking about Nighty or Nights list. Are you on a Nighty list or on a Nights list? Let's talk about that. Before we continue with this show, I would love to invite you guys to become one of our sponsors on patreon.com slash livingdisciple. These funds will be used to continue to run the show and to support our missionary friends across the ocean. Their job is to make disciples in all nations. If this is something God is calling you to do and to become part of, then please do it by going to patreon.com slash livingdisciple. And now, guys, let's get back to the show. What is Nighty or Nice List, you may ask? Well, that's something that we as parents created for our children. And if my child was good and obedient and kind and quiet, not talking back to me and washing the dishes, making his bed, and he gets a lot of presents under the Christmas tree at the end of the year. And if he was bad, if he was disobedient, screaming and yelling and most importantly, making me raise my voice at him, well, he gets to be on a naughty list and he gets a big bag of coal under the tree. Well, in a simple form, isn't that sort of kind of what we're asking God to do? Aren't we doing the same thing as children are doing? God, I want to be on a nice list so that you give me gifts. Because we pray. We pray for things. And we want God to give us things. Isn't that sort of like the Santa with the list? In some simple way, it is. So let's talk about that. How do we judge it's a more important subject is how does God judge us? Uh, where are we with God in relationship to Him? Are we on a nice list? Because we know that God says, God hears the prayer of the righteous, right? So let's read 1 John 2.16 and make that sort of our, our king, our judge of how does or how should we know or how do we know if we're on a good side of God or on a bad side of God. Let's read. I'll read from verse 15 all the way through verse 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and his desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. John made it pretty nice, clear cut for us over here. He just gave us three categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Let's just first start to skim the surface. Then we'll go deeper into this subject. So the skimming of the surface is pretty easy, you know. The lust of the flesh, we know what that deals with. That usually deals with sexual sin. You know, if I look back, have a watched any pornography, did a lot of stuff to my friend's wife or some other woman on TV uh, or some display somewhere in a store, whatever it is. Did a lot of stuff to that. If not, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm on a nice list. Then what about the pride of I or the lust of I, sorry. Well, that usually deals with covetousness, meaning that 
all the things that I have not worked for with my hands, I want them because I haven't really earned them, but I want them and I covet for them. If I haven't done any of those things, like, you know, I didn't really make enough money to buy myself a new car this year, but I'm going to do it anyway because the sales guy, you know, he convinced me that I, I earned it or that I need that vacation home. You know, they convinced me I earned it, which I really didn't earn it. I don't really have enough money in my bank, but they're talking about my future potential. But who knows if that will happen. So if I was good, then I'm on a nice list. And then, then there is the pride of life. This one is quite tricky, but let's make it simple at first. Then we'll talk about the deeper sense of it. Was I humble? You know, I didn't really think more highly of myself than I ought to type idea here. If I didn't, I'm on a nice list. So then God should give me what I want. But here's the situation. You know, I pray for people to get healed and they don't sometimes. I pray for finances. I'm talking about myself. I have a ministry to run. And I don't really get all the money that I need or that I think I need. I just don't be nice to have all that money. And I pray for certain conflicts to be resolved. They don't, they don't quite get resolved the way I envision them to be resolved. Could be sometimes, sometimes could be between me and somebody else, or it could be between my leaders. They don't. Hmm. So that complicates things. I thought this whole deal was pretty cut and dry. If I'm on a nice list, I get all the nice things and I get all my prayers answered. But the reality is they don't. They just simply don't. So let's start looking deeper into this. Like, so what's happening? What is what is the issue here? What is the problem here? Well, let's let's read Luke 8, 16 through 18, and let that be a better judge or an additional judge uh, of our John 2.16 passage. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar and puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Now, a lot of times I think we apply this passage towards the future. Kind of like God will evaluate our life and he will reward us up in heaven. I want to correct that right now. That is not the proper way to think about this. Luke depicts Jesus as a king, as a politician, as a new person coming in and establishing a new kingdom. If you start to read it, those are the hints you're going to see. And he's trying to establish him as a king of the world, not just king of the Jews. So this, this is the idea. So there is a king. And if there's a king, there has to be a kingdom. And we see ideas kind of like you're reborn. You're given a new birth. And so at times we get confused. So we get born and we sort of are now in this imaginary so-called church idea. I'm not talking about physical. But that's not the case. The idea here is that Jesus was a physical man and he did 
create a physical new kingdom is just encompasses a lot more a lot more than just land and it transcends the boundaries that we set physical boundaries right he's like no 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 i transcend that i go beyond those boundaries they are boundaries but god transcends those boundaries meaning that he's not bound by a country anymore he's not bound by the boundaries of israel anymore it goes way beyond that so there's a real kingdom there's real power there are real um ministries ministries how foreigners use it not how we use it uh, ministries of finance you know ministry of defense stuff like that there are real ministries in this kingdom real offices in this kingdom that function as a kingdom in a kingdom so we are born into this kingdom but the fullness of the kingdom is not here yet and maybe sometime at, at some point you were told that all you have to do is accept Jesus and go to heaven that's just not true that's just false the kingdom is here this is what Jesus was saying the kingdom is at hand he wasn't preaching that there is heaven he is preaching there is a kingdom and you can join this kingdom so this is what this passage is talking about so now that you understand this he's speaking about the light you are the light and you should not hide that light okay you should not hide that light you should be the light in the kingdom or in this world and then he warns us consider carefully how you listen or something will be taken away from you very interesting words like wait a minute I thought, consider how you listen. Maybe uh, it was just talking about the Bible. If I follow the Bible and then in heaven, Jesus is going to re reward me. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I thought it was. No, it's not. It's talking about your life right here, right now on earth. That what you have now will be taken away from you or more will be given to you. That's what it's speaking about. Let's add a third verse over here just to even give a better embodiment of what is this is all about right uh, we all know this verse this is galatians 5 22 these are the fruits of the spirit but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no no law if i think about my prayer life rarely is it circles around those things meaning that god I need more forbearance in this situation. God, I need to be more kind to that person. God, I need to do more good. God, help me with that. God, help me with self-control. Usually we say, God, help that person with self-control. Are you following what I'm saying? Sometimes we start to shy away or we start to confuse what we're praying for. What God wants versus what we want and what we want is a is just skimming the surface of things that means the lust of flesh the lust of the eye and the pride of life we sort of want to be there only God's like no 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 you're not getting that let's get deeper into this so you understand even the surface things what those about and if we pray for the surface things or evaluate ourselves according to the surface things we missed the mark God is trying to make, according to Galatians 5.22, a good person. 
He's not trying to make a man who can do, who has a checklist, right? He's after a man who is good, and a good man will do good work. There could be a lot of people who do good work, but they may not be good. You following me? So this is what he's after. He's after making you good, and that's his will. Like in the first one we read, but whoever does not, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Meaning that what are the things that will last forever? Is the work that you're doing will last forever or not? But the desires will pass away. There's a lot of desires in our life, meaning a lot of material things that we desire, they will pass away. What good will they bring anyone, right? Material things. And at times, this is where prayer life is, is on that level. God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not understanding. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God first, right? Meaning, seek the fruits of the Spirit first. Seek to become that. Pray for those things first in your prayer life. Seek to be kind. Seek to be good, right? Just to give you a little example how tricky some of this stuff is, the pride of life. This one is, I think, is the most fundamental thing. Uh, when we talk about, like, Adam and Eve, when Eve was approached by the snake, the snake didn't just confront her with pride. It's like, hey, you know, you, you, you have a freedom of choice, freedom of will. You should be independent from God. He didn't just present her the pride, the sin of pride. He led her. He took her and led her into it. He didn't challenge her with it. Let's suppose there's two leaders. Let's say I'm fighting with a person. Let's say I'm outgoing. I'm outspoken. I'm, uh, I love to do evangelism, stuff like that. Another person is more like a prophetic, you know, kind of to himself and loves to pray loud but doesn't really do much work from the perspective of evangelism, you know, doing ministries, real ministry work, as we say sometimes. I didn't get into a conflict with him and I dishonor him and I sometimes say things like, uh, you know, what are you doing, man? You never, you don't even like going evangelizing, stuff like that. I dishonor him and he's like, what? Meaning I belittle him. And he belittles me. You know, it goes back and forth until finally I had it and I pray to God and I say, God, man, you need to do something about this guy. Uh, he just dishonored me, put me down, you know. Um, and many times we as leaders we like to use the words from 1 Corinthians 13 which is the love you know love is patient love is kind does not envy it doesn't boast it is not proud it does not dishonor others but yet we dishonor and we complain so we start to hide this is how devil takes us on this path right first we dishonor and then we start to justify ourselves, meaning we start to hide behind justice. He dishonored me. He did this and that. Uh, and we complain. God resolved this conflict. But somehow devils hides our issues from our own eyes, and he highlights the issues of the other person, and therefore now we complain. I'm good meaning I do ministry and all that stuff, and he dishonored the things I did. And we complain. But love is a double-edged sword, isn't it? 
it is a double-edged sword. When I'm complaining to God, I'm seeking. I'm self-seeking. I'm seeking my own self. And it keeps record of no wrong, right? And I'm like, I am keeping a record. I officially put, the, put it on record and I'm telling God, boom, it's on record, God. He did this against me. How dare he? Isn't that true? And how devil led me through this? Because we know law only exposes us. It exposes the other person and exposes me as well. The same way I use law to expose the other person, that same law is going to expose me being self-seeking and not being committed to the idea of love. Because that's sort of like we're going to say we can jump into the commitments and the ideas of self-effort here because we are talking about it. Our actions is what determines if we're committed to a certain belief. If we're committed to the idea of love, right, then we should feel comfortable with it. I should feel comfortable of not seeking, you know, self-seeking my own idea. And I should be committed to not keeping a record of wrong against my own brother. But I'm not committed to them. I'm committed to complaining and exposing them because my action is exactly, that's what my action is doing. And I'm exposing someone in their sin. It could be before God. It could be before another man be another leader he did this i'm exposing him i'm committed to that and we're using uh, i should say the devil uses these tactics of leading us through the path and blinds us and we ought to stop we ought to stop at that level and say wait 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 what am i doing here and this is where we ought to listen Listen careful because when God speaks to us, right, He doesn't just speak to us uh, uh, from the mind point of view or like, you know, like your teacher listener point of view, but from the experience point of view as well. When He speaks to us, He speaks to us in fullness and not, not just in fullness, in fullness of, of thoughts or audible things He's speaking into our thoughts or our life, but in the actual experience as well. He is speaking to us in the actual act of it, kind of like, you know, as I was telling my kid about soccer, uh, you practice your skills while you're playing soccer. So then when do you practice your patience? It's during the actual situation. This is when you practice it. And it's not just, uh, what do you call it? It's not self-reliant on my own effort that I develop, I work out. That's why it says, those are the fruits of the Spirit in us. It is something the Spirit does. Uh, it's kind of like my wife has a great testimony on this. Uh, it's when uh, she did not want to go into mission field with me um, and God had to work out certain things and she had to do some effort, meaning that she said, God, I will pray. So she prayed and God spoke to her. She listened carefully. She said, God, I will listen to you. And what God told her was, obey your husband. And she did. And after she did, all her desires of not wanting to go there, and there's multitudes of things that involved with that, they went 180, and she had a desire to do a lot of the things that she was scared of, didn't want to do. All those things flipped, meaning there is the work of the Holy Spirit that's being done there as well. It's not just us working out. 
But there is a part that we ought to be doing, and that's seeking. You know, seek the kingdom of God first, and the rest will be added to you. So in this sense, we ought to be seeking the gifts of the Spirit. When we're praying, not the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, am I seeking God? Like, God, make me more patient in this situation. Or when I'm in a situation, God, what should I do right now? I am angry, and God can help you. Say, he, will, he can calm you down and say, hey, don't worry. Just have patience right now. And you clean on to that and say, I will believe that word. I will know that that's truth right now. And after you get out of your state of anger, you actually think clearly and you see clearly, oh, thank God I was patient in that situation because, man, that could have turned bad. You see, it says, listen carefully. Are you listening to God careful or not? That means reading the Bible, contemplating on it, meaning... Uh, in, in your head knowledge type. Yeah, that should be doing that. And in during a situation, are you open to God? Are you listening carefully? Because those are the moments you're actually playing the game. Is that something that you're doing in your life or not? And that sort of starts to speak to you. How does God judge you? How, what does God think of you? Because sometimes we turn it into a list of works right sometimes we think oh i'll do evangelism i do this and that and that and that i'm therefore i'm good but god is not after your work god is after you because when you're good you will do the good work and sometimes somehow we can got that confused and we think if i do all these things that god thinks i'm on a nice list yet we might lack self-control we might be a great evangelist going out there, uh, evangelizing the Muslim country, but completely have no self-control. It could be could have a habit of white lies, uh, habitual, you know, concealing information from others to make ourselves look better. And when we pray, God hears the prayer of the righteous, right? Does he not respond? He will respond. He will respond to your desires, meaning all other things will be added to you. But when you start to prioritize your prayer, things start to shift, right? Things will start to shift and turn, and you will finally understand who you are in God because there's so much more to it than just, God, heal this person. God, give me more finances. Those aren't the things you ought to be seeking for. You should be seeking for God. I want to be a better person. I want to be more patient. I want to be more kind. I want to be more generous. So that's sort of what I want to talk about in this episode. Hopefully that's helped you a little bit to think about the list. Are you on a nice list or a naughty list with God as we pray? And I hope you're starting to understand who you are in Christ and what things you ought to be praying for when you do pray for and what things the Spirit of God values and seeks in our life and how do we know if we're following the will of God or not. And that usually deals with not your work, but usually deals with the fruits of the Spirit. And not just fruits of the Spirit. I'm going to throw in, you know, the, the power of God as well. I don't want to leave it there with, without response you know we ought to be seeking pro to prophesy to others and all that stuff because those are for edification of others as well
because that's the voice of God and the power of God. Anyway, that's it for this episode, guys. Thank you for listening. And again, Merry Christmas and God bless you. See ya.